CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Good morning. It's Friday, February 14th, a.k.a. Valentine's Day, a.k.a. Jadavion Clowney Day, as we call it in my neck of the woods. And you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. My name is Connor Tapp, and I'm joined in the studio today by Trey Scott. Trey, we're here today to talk about Mel Tucker leaving from Colorado after one five and seven season with the Buffaloes to Michigan State. You kind of briefed the audience on that news and some of the high points on a podcast a couple of days ago. But today we kind of wanted to like sink into some of the details here because the off season being the off season, like it's I'm, I'm kind of taken aback at like the. Uh, uh, amount of controversy that has been generated by this story or concern or controversy, some combination of the two. Well, I think I was thinking about it like yesterday or two days ago. If this wasn't February 14th or February 13th, like I think Mel Tucker probably gets a pass. Yeah. Like this isn't, so there's like several angles to this story. And I, I, like, do you think the outrage is kind of passed now on like a, a Mel Tucker leaving after one year after saying he wasn't going to leave? But this this story like really blew up. So yeah, I mean let's I mean let's unpack it a little bit. So I so this happens after the first signing period, after the second signing period, and really I mean that's not he's not the person who decided to make the Michigan State job come open a day before the the second signing day so like i don't know it's not great but this the the system is structured the way that it's structured and he got a pretty good job offer i mean he got he got his salary doubled from yeah. 2.7 million to 5.4 who would turn that down no no i mean like seriously no one would no. turn that down no who would possibly do that um and his his assistant coaching pool got doubled too i think like we know better than anybody you look at the this is, I think, like, it's, this is a, you look at the college football content calendar. Yeah. And it's like the week after signing day, it's February 14th. Uh-huh. It's February, whenever this happens, the 11th. And there is nothing going on. Yeah. We're waiting for the combine at this point. Right. And that's it's, even just tangential. You're stretching. Yeah. If you're talking about college football this month, you're waiting on the combine or you're waiting for the, to start talking about NFL draft stuff. Right. With departing college players. Like, it's hardly even college football anymore at this point. Right. So this was kind of a, a gift from the content gods. And then you have a situation where a lot of people are spending a lot of time, a lot of airtime, and writing a lot of stories about the Colorado head coaching job. Like, I couldn't <laughs> tell you who was Colorado's coach two coaches ago. Like, before Mike McIntyre. Like, I could, just couldn't tell you. And we've got... And, and now it's reached just, like, this... this a slap in the face of the Pac-12. Two is right. I think probably the most interesting component of this whole story is not yeah. that Mel Tucker left. It's that now, of all the bad things that have happened in the Pac-12 in the last five years, this. 
right. the Colorado coach leaving yeah. is the worst. Yeah, I mean, it's. I think what that take does is it vastly underestimates how much better the Michigan State job is than the Colorado job. Yes, Michigan State has some really bad stuff going on right now, but I don't necessarily think... I, you can make a calculated gamble that those conditions will not persist for a number yeah. of years. And then in a couple of years, like that cloud will have lifted and move on. And, and like that won't be a drag on the football program. And if you can accept that that's the case, then there's just, there's, I don't, I can't think of a measure by which the Colorado job is better than the Michigan state job. Maybe like local, marijuana laws or something well, it's like your only well, it's, argument it's funny thinking about someone leaving boulder colorado for lansing michigan yeah east lansing it's it, it isn't it isn't a better job um michigan state when we were talking about is this a good job anymore it was under the assumption that all of these coaches had said no and that michigan state sort of didn't have the ammo right to get them back and we're like okay they're just gonna go get brett bielema or keep their interim coach and it's i was looking at a stat in the Big Ten last year, or in 2018, distributed $50 million each school in yeah. revenue. In the Pac-12 did 30. Yeah. And, and Michigan State's revenue, just on its own, and I'm not, this was in the figures published by USA Today. I don't know if it factors in that Big Ten. I assume it does. But, I mean, Michigan State is closer to doubling Colorado in annual revenue than uh, Colorado is to catching Michigan State. Do you think... It would have been impossible for Mel Tucker to make the playoff at Colorado. I saw that, like, this is oh, kind of yeah. what the argument boils down to, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's still really difficult at Michigan State, but, like, but I it's mean, been done. Yeah, it's been done before. And, and I mean, Colorado in their best season a couple of years ago, I mean, they, they just weren't a playoff team. Yeah. Just absolutely weren't a playoff team. And so, I mean, there's, there's still, I mean, that that is maybe the strongest argument, not making the playoff, but just in the Pac-12 South right now and the difficulties that the that the big dogs in that in that division are having right now. But that too is not something that you would expect to persist. Now it has already persisted a little bit longer than I think USC or UCLA fans even have have the patience for. But I, I don't think that's. That's not a big enough reason, I don't think, to make this move when your salary is being doubled. Yeah, your salary is being doubled. You're making more now than any other coach in the Pac-12. And wow. you're at the Big Ten's East's fourth best wow. school. Right, so like the U- USC and UCLA salaries, they're not public. So I don't, we don't know that for sure, but Mario Cristobal makes like 4.9. Mm. So two thoughts there is Oregon needs to raise, give Mario Cristobal a much-deserved raise. Yeah. And this, honestly, though, this is not... It's not a good look for the Pac-12. Not so much the fact that he left Colorado for Michigan State, but they they're clearly cash strapped at this point. Mike Leach, him leaving for Mississippi State didn't strike me as a cash move, but he did get more money. He got like two more two million dollars more, mm. and he got some more uh, for his assistance. And it's like that's that's a big thing too is here like the assistant salary pool, but the fact that the Big Ten is distributing twenty more million more dollars. And and then the Pac-12, like per per school, do that for a few years. That's they're not even on the same playing field. I read a column by Dan Wessel at Yahoo Sports. He's like, this is a Power Five conference in name only. Yeah, what's happening to the Pac-12 is what would happen to the Mountain West Conference, 
where your coaches are just getting poached. So that's interesting. So maybe actually a good counter argument to what we were saying is that so the fact that Michigan State is able to go out and double Mel Tucker's salary is a reflection of the disparity in revenues, and therefore that is the indictment on the Pac-12, not so much the fact that he saw Michigan State as a better place to advance his career than that's, Colorado. That's probably it. Yeah, That's probably it because you're you're not a slam dunk in the playoff. Yeah, like I'm not, I guess I'm not really just in love with the Michigan State job. I mean, it, it's a top 25 job. Yeah. And Colorado, I don't know where you'd put it. It's, it's, you can win the Pac-12 South and you get to live in Boulder and whatever. And you, your program does have some history when you were in the big eight, but you don't really have a recruiting base outside of what are you going to get in Denver? Like a few guys a year. Right. And it's Colorado. Like it's not a, it's, this isn't, it's not a football, like it's not, I mean, it's a football school, I guess, but you're not going to have the resources devoted there. The fact that he was making like $2.7 million, Mm -hmm. that's just not very much. Yeah. That's, I mean, the, the, the coaching industry, like that, that's not keeping up with the Joneses at all right there. That's, that's the salary pool that like, that's like 2005 era, like yeah. what the big dogs were paying people. And I think you forget that stuff because it's not often that we talk about Colorado, but you forget just sort of the level that the haves and the have-nots are on mm-hmm. when you realize that a coach's salary was $2.7 million. Mm-hmm. And Michigan State, maybe we took, maybe we didn't really appreciate the power of that job or better yet, the power of that conference when they can go pay 5.4 and you compare that to 2.7 you're like, it's not even close. There was no decision to be made here by Mel Tucker. Yeah. No decision to be made. And it's people are saying, what is the Pac-12 going to do now? It, they're, they're talking about Commissioner Larry Scott. It's his fault. They haven't been as creative or as ahead of the curve as he was hyped up to be when he took over this job or when he launched the Pac-12 network and had the Pac-12 at one point in 2011 on the brink of adding Texas and Oklahoma. Like It looked like the Pac-12 was going to be this super conference. And instead, it's fallen well short of even any other conference. I mean, like the last time it made the playoff was 2016. And so let's let's talk about Michigan State and from their perspective, because you know, in the run up to this hire, you know, we did a podcast talking about boy, what a tough look for Michigan State to have all these coaches pull their names out and then whiff on the guy. It seemed like you were so close to getting a, a signature on a contract from. So like, I th- I think they've like done a pretty good job here under the circumstances. I, there are questions you could raise. You could, there's a glass half empty argument for Mel Tucker, but like under the circumstances, pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at Mel Tucker's age right now. He's 48. 48. Okay. He's 48. He's going to be a great recruiter. He, the experience is not there yet as a head coach, but you're not really going to hold that against him. Right. Right. Um, he wasn't even a defensive coordinator until, 2017. Mm-hmm. So it might be possible that he's just sort of had a limited opportunity. Uh, yeah. But great defensive coordinator at Georgia. He has Big Ten ties. He was a graduate assistant at Michigan State. He played at Wisconsin, or he went to Wisconsin. He's going to be able to recruit that region. I think it's interesting. That's a really, you talk about recruiting and maybe that'll help him in that division. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Because you look at the coaches he's going against, James Franklin and, and Ryan Day and 
you know, may, you know, Mike Loxley's a good recruiter too. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh, he's not an elite recruiter, but it's still Michigan. So, I think, I think this hire, the more you sort of learn about Mel Tucker, seems like a a popular guy in the living room. It, it, it's a better hire than I would have thought, and it's it's not the slam dunk of Luke Fickle, but I almost see like a really high ceiling here. Yeah, I mean, they were kind of a weird team at Colorado last year, five and seven. Really bad on defense, which is had you know is his calling card. That's what he specialized in uh, coming up as an assistant. But uh, obviously had some interesting weapons on offense. But you know, one year is just not really enough of a sample size to evaluate someone as a head coach. So in that sense, it's a little bit of a gamble. But like you said, really personable. Uh, Barton Simmons on the Cover Three podcast was talking about how he's somebody who just like wins the pre-production interview with the with the media every time they're doing a, a Colorado game. So uh, I thought I thought that was interesting and might kind of I mean that that to me is like the exact opposite of Mark D'Antonio right. for one thing, and so maybe that creates some uh, excitement and some enthusiasm. And recruiting is going to be an uphill battle in the in in the state of Michigan and competing against who you're competing. Against in that region, um, but uh, he, he could be like a really fun alternative to Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, I, I can see. So Michigan State, because probably of Mark D'Antonio, or they still played this old antiquated style of play mm-hmm. that we used to give the Big Ten crap for ten years ago, and their offense was horrible, and they never have they didn't have a quarterback the last few years, and you know I, they're the Spartans. I I wonder if like he can make Michigan State cool. Yeah, the Q rating for Michigan State could really rise here. Yeah, and you, you, you've seen what they can do without even recruiting great. They Mark mm-hmm. Antonio is just a great football coach. But if Michigan State can, they will likely now be a resident in the top twenty of the recruiting rankings, mm. and that's, that's going to be kind of interesting. That's a great spot for them to be, I think. Yeah, because we've seen them go toe to toe with every other Big Ten team forever. And their, their talent has never really even come close to that. So you yeah. would assume Mel Tucker, especially in the first few years, will have them sparked. And you you consider that like you get the new coach boost in recruiting. Mm-hmm. You have a lot to sell, and you haven't lost any games yet. You can compare that to Jim Harbaugh, who this is the year that the buyout's going to start to be a real big talking point, the $10 million if they start losing. And he's been a little bit dry on the recruiting trail anyway. He's not – it's like a – they they haven't had a real big spark in a while. So you kind of, hey, the new kid on the block could be like the real fun kid on the block. And I I would expect this to be a good battle of two coaches recruiting the state of Michigan. Of course, you got others. And I would expect Mel Tucker to like win at least his fair share of them. That's interesting. And, and it, there will be a question of what does success look like? What does meeting expectations look like? And I think... Michigan State's fans might still be in a period of adjusting to the reality that they're not in the legends and leaders format anymore and they're not one of the best teams in their conference and kind of a shoe in to be in the conversation for the one of the one or two teams that could win the division and does that so how does he kind of navigate that does he get that big signature win early that kind of takes the heat off and allows you to keep selling that good story on the recruiting trail even if the overall record maybe isn't there in the first year so that's always always kind of interesting and uh, offensively there's nowhere to go but up right so the fact that it, whatever they do on offense as long as it, like if they can put two touchdowns or three touchdowns on the board a game i think those fans are going to be a little bit happy 
Yeah, and I guess, you know, culturally, if you're a Michigan State fan, bringing someone in who is a his expertise is on defense. That's probably an easier sand, uh, an easier sell to to the fan base. Um, so, anyway, that I think that's going to do it for our conversation here about Mel Tucker and uh, the Michigan. Oh, one quick thing. I don't want to give Colorado too much short shrift here, uh, but uh, ESPN's Adam Rittenberg does point out that uh, some of the top candidates that he's hearing uh, for that job include uh, Mizzou's Ryan Walters, who, who used to play at Colorado, uh, Oklahoma defensive coordinator Alex Grinch, Utah's Morgan Scally, and Oregon defensive coordinator Andy Avalos. I saw that, and I, I'm that's, I'm glad you stopped, and because I was like, does Colorado like what does their coaching search look like? Yeah, I don't. I mean, this is a tough hire for Colorado. And you kind of have to nail this. I would I would assume out of all those guys, the biggest home run would be Alex Grinch, who yeah, I, I mean, think so. But I don't know. Like I saw a lot of talk of uh, retaining Darren Chivrelli. I think I'm butchering that name. The receivers coach, he's popular on the staff. Uh, a lot of the fans were asking for Eric Bieniemy, the offensive coordinator of the Chiefs, mm. who played at Colorado mm-hmm. and is a great recruiter. But why would you leave the Super Bowl winning team? Right when you're an NFL head coach probably next year to go be the head coach of Colorado, which absolutely seems like it's sort of in a precarious position here. Cause if you don't nail this higher, if you don't get a guy who's going to come in and stabilize something, you run the risk of dropping from five and seven and Mel Tucker is on the, on the up and up with him, but you run the risk of like this being a four and eight operation for a few years running, which is what Colorado was uh, in the earlier part of the decade. And the, the tough thing for whoever Colorado does end up hiring is they'll be coming in with a recruiting class that they did not, have a hand in recruiting. Uh, obviously, that's the case for Michigan State too. But at least in Colorado's case, they benefit from the fact that Mel Tucker had a, the 35th overall recruiting class in, in the class of 2020. Yeah, which doesn't include Antonio Alfano, the former oh, five-star recruit, right. yeah, right, who transferred from Alabama. He just put on his Instagram story he's not leaving Colorado, so stop asking him. Uh, I mean, he has a lot of things to figure out, but the talent will be will be good. They they do lose Lavisca Chenault. Mm-hmm. And Steven Montez, their quarterback. So it's a year of transition. Yeah. I'm rooting for Colorado, though. All right. Well, that is going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. If you appreciate what we're doing, please express your support by leaving us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. For Trey Scott and our producer, Tani Levitt, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you on Monday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. of sports mixed with your pop culture along with humor and celebrity interviews your earbuds are enjoying the rich eisen show dan orlovsky are you still a Jaden daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy i think the three things that make it stand out for me are number one i think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft every quarterback in the nfl is accurate he's got the best on tape number two most transferable stuff to the nfl and then i think the third thing is pocket peace search for the rich eisen show on youtube or wherever you listen Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes. 
you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.